welcome to the Living in the Yum podcast. I'm your host, Emma Garrison with Balance and Bliss Coaching. We will uncover ways to break through those limiting beliefs and stand in the power of you. Each week, the Living in the Yum series brings innovative, thought-provoking, and actionable content to help you gain clarity, alignment, and connection with your soul and heart. It's time to take action. Take an authentic stand for yourself and unapologetically live more into the young every single day. Are you ready? Here we go. Megan, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am stoked. <laughs> yes. So just a couple of weeks ago, we recorded with um, Jamie Berman, who specializes in PCOS and weight loss. And Megan and I and Jamie actually all met at the same retreat that we referred to on that episode um, in about 2015. And I'm so excited to bring Megan onto the podcast and share her with everybody here. She is a coach who focuses on helping other coaches and entrepreneurial women really step into their full potential, get to that scale of a six-figure business while also having fun along the way. Like it doesn't have to be so hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Woohoo. So, um, so I'm going to let you sort of do the talking here for a minute. Can you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got here and what it is that you do with your clients? Yeah, of course. So we met on that women's retreat, which really changed everything for me. It was the first time I'd made that kind of investment in myself and experienced things in my life feeling completely different without anything outside of me changing. So we were just away for a weekend. You know, we, I think we were off our phones. Nothing outside of us changed, but I came back to my apartment in LA just feeling like a totally different person. And that kind of spearheaded this whole journey of really investing in myself. I did a spiritual psychology 10-month program. And in that program, I totally fell in love with coaching. Uh, You would have a chance to practice facilitating. And I just knew in my core, it's what I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. So I did that. I hired my first coach upon completing it. And my first year, year and a half in business, it was really hard to get out of my own way in the sense that I just had no idea when you start your own business and you're the face of your own business, it's like all of your insecurities come up to the surface because you have to put, (laughs) like you're putting yourself out there as the face of your brand. And the coaching part felt easy because I knew I loved that. And I just wanted to be on the phone with clients. Like if I could just skip ahead to a future reality where I was working with people, that would be great but I was very overwhelmed about the business building side and I put all this pressure on myself and it felt very heavy and serious and anxiety filled and learning how to get through that stuff is what actually created the flow of like clients coming in. And since then I have now helped a lot of other women experience that same, you know, bridging the gap of that moment of like, I know that I love this. How do I actually turn it into a viable business or something I can do long-term. And I've just found that so many of the people who come to me initially have that same like heaviness feeling attached to it and they don't feel a sense of joy in their days. And I love being the person who gets to infuse that joy back into it and help them fall in love with the process. So that's what I have landed on, what I'm most inspired to support people with and I just love, you know, the theme of your podcast because that's so much of how I like to live my life. And I think it doesn't have to coexist with business. I think like the yum carries over into everything. Oh my gosh, totally. We, um, I was just at a corporate executive retreat in Park City, Utah last week, and we were talking about how, you know, for so long there's been this concept of like work-life balance mm-hmm. and my belief is there's no such thing because it's all life. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like get that balance into your work life because your work life is your regular life. It's all one life. So how do we get that yum and that joy, like you said, infused back into what we're doing? Because I mean, we spend more time at work than we do at home with our families most of the time. 
Yeah. And especially if you are in a position where you got into work because there's something about it that interested you, it can be easy to lose sight of that initial spark when you're kind of bogged down in the day-to-day stuff and your mind is like filled with all this anxiety about different things going on. And it's like learning how to control that aspect. You get to come back to the joy of why you got into it to begin with. And then it doesn't become this thing where you're like living for the weekends or you're, you know, constantly thinking about once I get there, then I'll be able to relax. Then things will be better because when you get there, there's going to be another thing that you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So everything shifts when you start to, I mean, it's so, it sounds so cliche, the enjoy the process thing, but really deeply, genuinely enjoying the process looks like just enjoying your day to day. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I love the point that you bring up about the there, um, and I'm putting that in quotations. I recognize not everybody's on video <laughs> with us, um, but we live so much to get there. The next step, oh, once I move to California, everything will be great. Once I lose 30 pounds, everything will be great. Once I launch my dream business, everything will be great. And it's like, okay, but to your point, what about the process, first of all, because that's part of the enjoyment, but second of all, there is no there. A hundred percent. I think it's so interesting how if you look back on things that you previously wanted to accomplish, maybe when you were there, also air quotes so that people can't see, maybe when you got there, it felt really awesome and it was probably fleeting. And then the next morning or the next week you were focused on, okay, what's the next thing? And I've seen this play out with clients where they think once I have X number of clients, like then I'll be able to relax. But what happens is if they're not, you know, actually in this space of enjoying the journey, they get that result that they wanted, but they're still freaking out because they're like, well, when this client ends, like I'm going to have to find the next one and where's the next one coming in. And it's still, it's like breaking free of that is where, where the enjoyment and the fulfillment and actually being able to be present for the things that you've worked so hard for comes from. Mm -hmm. So for the people who come to you that are working with you, what stage of their business are they usually in? Do you work with people who um, are maybe at that phase of like, I know this is something that I want to do. It's a dream. It's, you know, 20,000 feet away from me. Are you working with people who are in business right now, who are just starting, people who are, you know, five years in? Who who do you work with? Who would want to, um, you know, be drawn to the work that you're doing? Yeah, great question. So my main ideal clients are women who found what they love and they just know and like deep down to their core, it's what they want to do forever, but they feel very overwhelmed about how to turn it into something they can make money from for the long term. So most of my clients like me, you know, dream of starting a family. They really value their like close relationships and they ideal situation is that they have enough money to experience financial freedom, do the things they want to do, support their families, but they don't want it to come at the expense of burning themselves out, like killing themselves, like working all hours of the day to make it happen. And so they are just trying to figure out how to actually do the work they love, make a good living doing it, and still having a really fulfilling personal life which when you're in the space of just starting the business and maybe you're making, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month, but it doesn't feel consistent yet. You don't feel like you have your rhythm down and like clients are coming to you regularly. It's easy to be in that kind of free fall space of, I actually don't know how long I'll be able to sustain this. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, um, in one of my mastermind groups that I'm a part of, we talk about this a lot of like, yeah, it's great and it's here right now and it feels like a grind to do that for the rest of my life. Yes. Like how will I continue to always be bringing people in that feels like, oh. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So a lot of my clients have similar tendencies to what I've worked through and done so much of my own work around. And I'm sure you can relate to this. Like you just tend to attract people who are going through things that have been your own life experience. 
And so a lot of the people who come to me are like perfectionists and they place a lot of pressure on themselves and they have a history of overachieving and overcommitting to things. So most of them have burnt out before and that's why they have this strong aversion to doing that again. And it's interesting, you know, I think that route can get you success. And I know for me, that was part of the disconnect is that pushing myself so hard had led to results I wanted in the past. So opening up to a different way, like one of the main things that I teach my clients is how to work smarter. So actually streamlining their efforts. So they're not doing all the things, but they're doing the things that will move the needle the most. And that sounds really nice at first, but it can be so hard for people to get their brains on board with actually doing that when their wiring up until now has just been like hustle, 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 constantly doing all the things, looking at what other people are doing, trying to replicate them, especially if some of the people they've been inspired by do have different business building efforts that, you know, some people really enjoy being on all the time. Some people love like just pouring out like all of their hours into their business. And that doesn't, doesn't tend to work for my people. My people are like, I love what I do. And it's really important that I have downtime and time to recalibrate and recharge and have time with my family. Yeah. And, and I think too, sometimes the, this has been my experience. I guess I'll speak for myself when I am so engaged in pouring all of my time and energy and effort into work, typically I'm avoiding something else. Yeah. Like there's some other emotional component of my life that I'm like, er, no thanks. It's easier to put my head down and work like a crazy person than to deal with the other stuff that's going on. And like, I would say 85 to 95% of the time, whatever is going on over here probably is rooted in something that would help support my business. Like when you think about root beliefs of like, I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving, I'm not enough. That's usually what we come down to when you meta model out the belief system. And then it's like that directly impacts all other parts of your business or of your life, but also your business life. Of course. I think that's a really important point because doing can be a great distraction as you're describing. And it's like a reactive mode where you just think if you pour yourself into it and you're just showing up, that's going to get you the result. But I talk a lot about with my clients, like if the energy is off and like if you're a perfect example in a place of not feeling fully worthy or not really believing in what you have to offer, You can do lots of things that other people have found success with, but if your energy is off, it doesn't click. People feel it. And a perfect example of this is at a networking event. I love this. I'm going to probably butcher it, but the Maya Angelou quote about people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And I, you know, used to go to a lot of networking events and I don't really remember the specifics of people's elevator pitches, but I do remember their energy behind it. And so it doesn't really matter what they're saying at the end of the day. It's just, if I like their vibe, I might want to collaborate with them or reach out to them or hire them. That's just a perfect kind of tangible example of how the energy matters so much. And it's like, you can do less in the sense of, You don't have to post on Instagram every day if that doesn't feel inspiring to you. I wouldn't recommend doing that just because you feel like you should. If you're inspired, go for it. But you totally could post a couple times a week if that's part of your strategy and just really be in a great head and heart space when you do that and add tons of value and have fewer high quality posts that you're just putting out the best energy possible. You know, it's funny. I spend a lot of time um, thinking about how to convey the energy thought process that you just explained to people who don't live in the coaching space where it's a little bit more wooey and like, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I can clearly see, oh, okay, there's, um, there's connection between the like frequency and vibration that is coming through me and six, I mean, quote unquote success, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's in relationship 
or in friendship or in business. Uh, and I was just talking to a friend who is in a new relationship and, you know, she just, I'm so insecure. I'm so insecure. I'm so insecure. And we were talking about how the tiniest shift of how you start that thought and belief in your own mindset will change how other people experience you. Oh, of course. So that like head and heart aligned centeredness that you were talking about totally affects how you present yourself at a networking event. If you're going in super insecure, you're likely going to chitter chatter somebody's ears off, not <laughs> not able to pay attention to social cues because you're so caught up in like, oh my gosh, I have to get my elevator pitch out so I can make some business so I can get things moving. And it's, it's not serving you in the way that you might hope or that you were intending. Yes. And the energy work, it's just so important. I know it's an interesting thing to encapsulate because it doesn't sound like a logical how-to step, but even in the simplest ways, just thinking about people that you enjoy being around or people that you've hired in the past, I might know two people. I will choose the person that I vibe with or who feels good to be around. Or even if you just think about a time when you feel relaxed, maybe on vacation or with friends or at the beach or you know, long weekend over Labor Day where everything just seems to flow when you're just in the zone and you're just focused on having a good time and you can feel when you're chilled out how things just tend to work out and it's just when you're relaxed, you can see what's in front of you and you can appreciate it more, but when you're clamped up, perfect example you gave when you're at a networking event you're in your head the whole time, you're not even aware of potential connections really because you're so focused on your own internal dialogue and you might miss out on an amazing friend or partnership or even client that's right in front of you. Yeah. Uh, So tell us about when you're working with a client and she maybe or he, men or women or both or what's your job? Uh, Right now I only work with women. Okay. So she is caught up in this headset or mindset (laughs) of, of insecurity. Like, I know this is what I meant to do. And what if I'm seen? What if somebody doesn't like what I'm doing? What if it's not good enough for the perfectionist? Um, what type of work and, and how do you help navigate her through these insecurities so she can step into the, oh my gosh, this is so fun. And now we have a fluid stream of, income and clients coming in and that's maybe less of a main focus. Yeah. So usually the first step is we look at everything they're currently doing, which is usually a whole smattering of different things they've, you know, learned from webinars or from seeing other coaches or maybe a program here or a course there. And we actually hone in on how they most enjoy connecting with people. And we come up with an essentialist strategy, which is the doing less with more focus. So they know exactly how to be spending their time. We hone in on the tasks that are likely to generate money and really prioritize and edit out the extra stuff. Because even if someone, for instance, loves connecting with people on a live stream, if you are deeply craving in-person connection, 100% we want to incorporate that. So it really depends on their preferences. But even once you have that, it's like getting out of their own way enough to show up for the things that they commit to. So that's where you're saying like the perfectionist things or the self-doubt is a really big one or what will other people think or even like what will my family think or, you know, Mm -hmm. friends I've had for a while that now I'm doing this different thing. Um, And that is where the mindset component is so powerful. So just shifting their perspectives. And I use a combination of the spiritual psychology tools to coach and also a lot of mindset work to literally rewire their thinking. And an example just of a really quick perception shift that tends to be one of the first things I talk about with my clients is why they got into this work to begin with and getting them out of the space of what will people think about me? Am I good enough? Do I know enough? All of that stuff to the place where it's like, hey, this dream is in you for a reason. You are like the conduit through which this way of helping people gets delivered. If you get out of your own way, like this was 
I like to think of it as the career chose you. So whether you're a coach or an organizer or an interior designer or a photographer, you have a gift that is worth sharing. And you will start to see that more and more. The more people you help, the more you'll believe in your capability and you'll start to build up the confidence. But the first step is getting out of your own way by being more committed to like working your light in the world. And even if that's, you know, as simple of an exercise as making your mind come up with examples of ways that you have helped people in the past, even if they weren't official clients, right? Just ways, how have these, the specific set of gifts that I have, how have I already been able to serve the world? And if I have something that I know can, who am I to withhold that? Now is my time to start sharing and you know, I work with them on getting their brain out of the way to keep showing up, but it becomes this higher level perspective of who can I help? I know I can help someone, so I'm going to go out and do that. Yeah, I love that. And I think specifically for female entrepreneurs and coaches, and I'm sure men have this roadblock too, but there's so much uh, what you were alluding to of like, the ego heart dialogue or ego soul or ego spirit or whatever you connect to intuition. Um, that's like a constant battle back and forth. At least for me, it has been. And one of the things that I've come to is like, it's an obligation in, in the most loving way, like in a positive way. I think maybe we talked about this over, um, dinner with Will and it was just, it's like we as, coaches, interior designers, photographers, whatever it is that you're focused on, you have an obligation to provide that to this universe because the next person can't do it the way that you can. Yeah. Ever. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I love, I love that. And I think that's so common. And I think whatever your life experience has been, whatever your personal transformations you've gone through I work with a lot of coaches, so I'm thinking in terms of coaches, but just as an example, if someone has gone through their own health transformation and they have learned so much that could make someone else's experience a lot faster, or like if I'm doing business coaching and I can save people like years of trial and error and money and all this stuff, I'm like, I got to tell them and who am I to withhold that? And it's one of those things where you know, different words will resonate with different people. It sounds like obligation really resonates with you. Like this is my duty, but I love like one of the thoughts that inspires me the most is like, I was born to do this. This is just me living out my purpose. And this is like, I've never shared this before, but I, I get really freaked out when there's intense turbulence on planes. And like, I always, my brain immediately goes to the place of like, I'm going to die. And without fail, Every time that happens, the first thought I have after I'm going to die is like, if I live, I'm just going to like coach the heck out of people for the rest of my life. And it's almost like the, the thing that I think of the most when I think that my time is running out, even though, you know, knock on wood so far, the turbulence has worked out. We just get through it. That's a pretty normal thing. But that's where my, in the moment of fear, that's kind of like the promise that I make the world is like, if I get to live through this. And I know that sounds probably really dramatic because, again, turbulence is fairly normal, but it's just where my mind goes. It's like it is my duty to bring this forward. And I think a lot of my clients get hung up on, like, I don't know enough yet. So they spend so much time trying to learn more, get another certification, you know, read more books, which I am a total book nerd and I love reading, but you'll never know everything and you know enough right now to get started. Oh my gosh, yes. I think the education wheel can become a really great procrastination tool. Yes. Totally guilty of <laughs> Me it. Too. I was like, once I go to USM, once I finish my NLP master practitioner, once I, oh, now I need a coaching certification. Oh, now I need, it's like, I've got to read that book and then this, and it's like, er, like, yes, those things are amazing. And A, they'll always be there. And B, you will always be learning and evolving and in process. And most of the time, or at least this was my experience when I jumped into coaching, it's like 
you're ne- you never feel ready. Oh yeah. Waiting to feel ready is such a common trap. And I think even once you've experienced some success to do the next big, scary thing, you know, earlier we were talking about once you get there, there's another there that appears the future goal. And once again, most people brush up against that same feeling of not feeling ready. And it's interesting if you start to reframe it as just as an indicator of growth, you can kind of take some of the power back there. Um, I love those little quotes you see on Instagram. And I remember seeing one that said, if it feels both terrifying and amazing, you should absolutely do it. It's kind of like my life motto. (laughs) And it's like getting on a roller coaster ride where you know, like, okay, buckle up. But you also know it's going to be amazing. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for, um, you know, the thought that fear and excitement, like on a biological and what's the word I'm looking for? Human evolution perspective. Well, like your internal nervous system, physiological. (laughs) Thank you. Um, our physiological responses in our bodies are the exact same for fear and excitement. And being able to look at that and then say, okay, let's do it anyways. I think that is a really like makes you want to poop your pants, but then also (laughs) makes you like, oh my gosh, I just did that. And it's interesting you point that out because sometimes when I'm talking to clients, we'll talk about how they need to feel to actually take action and do the things that we outline in their strategy. And because when they plan ahead of time, they might think it sounds great to go to a networking event because they want to connect in person. And then they wake up the morning of and they feel terrible and they don't want to go and they try to talk themselves out of it. And I've been there a hundred times. Even now I've been to hundreds of networking events and I just plan, I just know every morning I'm not going to feel like going. And so it's interesting, even reframing away from excitement, because sometimes that feels a little, like you said, similar in my body, it can be a better feeling, more enjoyable feeling than fear, but sometimes still feels very jittery. And it's hard to, you know, thinking about being at a networking event. If I just let pure excitement take over, I'm kind of like rambly still, like maybe all over the map, like I'm not super grounded. And so one of the feelings that comes up a lot when I'm talking to clients, okay, how do you actually need to feel to show up for this no matter what? Oftentimes we choose feelings that are way more grounded, like committed or disciplined. And often those feelings can come from thinking about what we were saying before about like, this is my duty. This is my obligation. I am committed to more committed to showing up and helping people than I am to the comfort of staying home and avoiding the networking event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great practice because it's so true. I mean, even just living in a new city, I have literally like scheduled on my calendar that I live religiously by networking event. And this is not like a work thing. This is a go make some friends and like have a drink at the bar thing. And every single time it pops up and like, "Mm, I think I'll pass. I'm feeling tired or I got to take my dogs on the walk or I need to do laundry. I mean, you come up with any excuse in the book to just say no thanks because it's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. And I think we've been wired, you know, in our day and age for comfort. And there's so much comfort available to us. And this is actually one of the main things I work on with my clients because they all work from home, which is the land, unless they work at a co-working space, but even then, you know, so many chances to talk with people. Like there's a lot of other ways to distract yourselves. But when you're working from home, you can do laundry, you can watch Netflix, you can play with your dog, you can literally do anything you would do on a weekend. And it does take a certain degree of discipline to really get your brain on board to do the things you say you're going to do. And it's, I feel like working from home is the advanced course in learning how to show up for the things that you don't want to just because the ultimate comfort is right there. Yeah, working from home is is trick. I mean, you can see I'm in an office now because I I got to a point where I could not separate work and play. And my work time 
was effective, but not as effective for those very reasons of like, I can think of anything else I'd rather (laughs) be doing than calling, you know, potential new clients for my consulting business or whatever it might be. It's like any little excuse of an activity that I usually hate doing, I will take over whatever's making me uncomfortable in the workspace and the working from home thing, man. That's I used to have friends say, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, if only you knew. <laughs> it's definitely an adjustment. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the things that you were mentioning, and I, you didn't say this directly, but it sparked my memory where you were talking about our our thought patterns and finding beliefs or like finding the knowing of oh I've helped this person maybe not compensated for it before but this is how my gift has contributed to the world and I wanted to bring um bring up and hear your thoughts on something that I believe strongly in and is and this is why belief patterning is so important from my perspective it's like we look for evidence in whatever we already believe Oh, yes. <laughs> and that's what you're seeing. A hundred percent. It's so fascinating when you, because a lot of the people I talk to are very committed to their current beliefs. And it's really interesting when you start questioning those and just see how actually let's, let's look at the facts here. Like when people say like, I'm not making any money from in my business right now. There's actually a lot of power in just looking at the numbers more neutrally and doing the math. And we can figure out if there's more money they want to be making, we can incorporate that into the game plan and come up with a strategy for that. But it's just fascinating the extremes that are, it's like, I'm not making any money. It's like, okay, maybe you're bringing in a couple thousand dollars a month and you want to be bringing in five to 8,000. Like you want to double that. Okay, let's look at that, but let's get your brain out of the place of I'm not making any money at all because that is just creating, it's amping up that fear and that physiological response you were talking about. Yeah, and and I mean, back to the energy stuff too, like you're energetically putting that into the universe. I'm not making any money or I'm not making the money that I want to be making as opposed to um, we had JC Marie on the first episode of the podcast ever and she recommended the she works on manifestation and abundance and the abundance mindset and um, one of the things that she suggested was money comes to me in expected and unexpected ways and it's like how will your surroundings how you see the world the evidence that you find change when instead of I make no money or I'm not making the money I want to be making right now to it comes to me in expected and unexpected ways. Like how drastically that shifts what you're experiencing just from a little tweak in your mindset. It's crazy. It really is. It's, you know, when I was starting out, and I think this is really common when people are at the earlier stages of building their business, they're very focused on the how. And, you know, it can be helpful to learn like, you know, practical steps to set up your business, things like that. But it's very tempting to get so in the nitty gritty obsessed with the how. And even, you know, from an abundance perspective, that just gives you this tunnel vision where you're blocking out, you're not even noticing or seeing or allowing all of these other opportunities for money to flow into you. And, you know, releasing the grasp and the obsession and needing to figure out the how and just focusing on showing up and creating value and following through on your unique game plan, like doing the things that you say you're going to do. It's like you, you take care of that part. You show up. I love, I don't even remember the first place I heard this. Almost every day I think about like the universe meets you at your point of action. So my job is to show up and take this aligned action and pour myself out into the world, not in a burnt out place, but in a, like, it feels good to give and I want to share this and I'm inspired to share this. And then the rest takes care of itself. And of course you can focus on the activities that will like our key money making activities more in the sense of like, this is where I can show up and share my truth and share my gifts. But in terms of the actual logistics of it, it's not your job to figure out exactly where it's going to come from. So I love that phrase of unexpected and expected, like opening up to the unexpected ways it can flow into you. I think that's so fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
talk to us about your perspective as a business coach on social media, right? Because there's this idea that you need to have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of followers to be successful and bring in a six-figure income or a seven-figure income or whatever your, your objective is. What do you say to those people? Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts on this. <laughs> so <laughs> my short version is the most important thing is to find what works for you. So it really depends on where you're coming from. I know people who connect deeply with other people through Instagram. And for those clients, it works really well for them because it's, it feels natural. It feels good. They just are so good at communicating their gift through their words and they feel inspired to show up and it is their jam and it radiates. You can feel it. I have a client, every time she speaks, I just feel her heart and her words and she naturally attracts people to her because of that. Then there's people like me who, when I was starting out, the last thing I wanted to do was spend time behind a screen, computer or phone. And I had been working a job where I was behind a computer a lot. And so I just decided, okay, I'm just going to do this on my own terms. I'm just going to get out there and meet actual people in the world face to face and just get to know a bunch of people and build it the old fashioned way. And I'll post occasionally, but that wasn't a key part of my business building tactic. I was just talking with a friend this weekend and she was like, you know, I think one of the unique things about your story is that you built your business to six figures with like under a thousand followers. Like you really weren't going like the Instagram social media route that's working for a lot of people. And what it comes down to is the method isn't the secret answer or the magic pill. It really doesn't matter what method you use. And I was talking with a client about this last week. She had built her business successfully through a different method before, felt super burnt out and like it wasn't sustainable. And we are, you know, implementing a new business model for her that's starting to work. And she's like, okay, I think this can work. I don't know if it'll end up being as successful as last time. And I was just coaching her on, wait a second, the method you used last time is not why it worked. You are the secret sauce. You are why it worked. You are so passionate, smart, self-aware, committed. That's the magic secret sauce. And so that's why it's like every client I work with, it looks different because it's not about following a, like a cookie cutter strategy. If you post about these things, you will attract clients. It's like, no, forget all of that. If you are called to do it through social media, great. If you don't want to go on Instagram or even Facebook or anything and you just want to meet people in the world, you don't even need a website. A lot of people freak out when I say that because the first thing they want to work on is building their website. But especially when you're starting out, building your website, the time it takes to do that is just time that you're not connecting with potential clients. And so it's, that's where it's like, let's work smarter and be very intentional, but the actual activity doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, um, <laughs> I went into a strategy session with my coach a couple months back and I was like, here are the things that I need help on my website. What are my keywords and hashtag da, 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 da. And she was like, yeah, I don't care about any of that. That's not like that's not going to support us right now. And she to this day does not have a website. Yeah. And I think it's it's sort of along that same line of um, just getting more and more education until you feel ready. It's like a website feeds our ego. Having a strong Instagram following, it feeds our ego too. It's like it's just about if I have this, then I'll be taken seriously. Yes. When in reality, that may not be the case. Well, it's the sort of thing where people think that if they build a website, then they'll look legit and then they'll feel more legit, which really what they're wanting to do is grow their belief in themselves as a coach or as whatever they are. But what they find, it's like wherever you go, there you are. If you're not doing the mindset component and really building up that belief within you, you can't rely on the external things for it. So you end up with a website and then you still feel like you're not a real coach or not a real whatever at that point in time. What's interesting is 
if you're doing the work and you're doing the things that actually generate clients, you will start working with clients and then you will feel more legit and then creating a website. If you choose to from that place, it will flow in such a different way. I remember I waited to create my website until I was working with a handful of clients and really felt clear on the work that I was doing. And then I made it in one day and it just flowed out of me because I was so inspired. I knew exactly who I was talking to. And that was three years ago and I haven't changed it at all. And it doesn't even reflect what I do now. I'm going to be working on it soon because I'm feeling that same inspiration (laughs) and excitement again. But at that point I was doing more general life coaching and now I've honed in on working, you know, with entrepreneurs and it doesn't matter like that really, if people want to work with me, they figure it out or they meet me somewhere or we connect and I get to clarify, but that wasn't the, uh, core of my business building effort. And it sounds like for your coach too, it's like, she hasn't relied on a website to build her business because she found a path that worked for her. And I think you talking about how, you know, there's no cookie cutter way to do this, to start a business, whether you're coaching or an interior design or a photographer, or you want to open an old dog shelter, like whatever it is that you're doing, there's no cookie cutter way other than like following your own alignment and intention and intuition and your own roadmap. It's like, it goes right back to what you were saying with, um, letting the how shape itself and having faith in the process and in the universe and what's going to come around you will be there. And not attaching to the how is so important because it's like, I would say if there's any one key thing, if it's not a process, the key thing is like the commitment and willingness to get out of your own way and look at your own insecurities, fears, doubts in the face and move through them time and time again at each level. Because every time you're experiencing rapid growth, they will show up right on time. Anytime I'm, you know, about to kind of up level, I feel it. I'm like, oh, hello, like old inner critic. Lovely to see you again, telling me like, (laughs) I'm not ready for this. And I think it just comes down to your willingness and your commitment level to do that work. Yeah, totally. And um, I have a question for you. So this, this work is really fascinating, you know, helping somebody launch or excel their current business. And like I mentioned earlier, it's like I have a difficult time communicating this type of mindset work like for me it's so clear all of these roadblocks that you're creating you're creating they're not actually there but to someone who doesn't sit necessarily in this like personal growth um talking about your ego kind of battling with your intuition and all of that stuff sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo (laughs) I have um I have a friend who's looking to launch, you know, she's working at a nine to five, wants to get out of that. Her dream is to um, create a lodge that's, you know, farm to table and she can have people come and just kind of like be a hospitable lady who, I mean, obviously they'll pay to come to the, to the ranch and she creates an experience and it's important to her because it's sustainable. Like it's so aligned with who she is and from her perspective, it's so impossible. And in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, get some investors. Let's buy some land. Like, (laughs) let's go. And I'm curious your perspective on somebody like that who comes to you, who says, listen, I've got this plan I would really love to do. And I feel like it's, it's so difficult to get there or there are so many roadblocks. How do you help somebody step from that perspective into, oh my gosh, I can do that. Yeah. This is feasible. It can feel like a really big leap. So it's common that I talk to people who have a really big vision for their life, but because there's so many different components of it, they kind of swim around and have like either shiny object object syndrome with different facets they want to focus on. And they're basically just like spinning around with all these ideas and how to's and so many logistics to figure out that they're not even doing anything with the time they do have other than like getting in their own head. And so 
a few things. So to answer your question about how to explain like the energetic component, I love using dating examples because for some reason these are easy for people to grasp. So if you think about like you could be on all of the dating apps and you could be like spending hours a day messaging away, swiping away, whatever. But if you are in this place of feeling insecure and like in your head, you're like, this isn't going to work anyways, you're not even in a space to be open to really meeting someone, connecting with someone. You're just filled with doubt about the process. So when I was dating or when I was, you know, working on myself before I entered a relationship, I remember I went on a dating detox and I just stopped dating and I made an agreement with myself that I wouldn't do it again until I actually felt excited about the process. And for that period of time, I just focused on myself. I was doing my own deep inner work and I was just looking at the ways that I had, you know, attracted similar types of people that weren't a fit. And then once I was actually excited about it, I was like, let's do this, hit the ground running. My eyes were open to the possibilities and it didn't take very long at all for me to meet Will. And if you think about that too, it's like, even if you went on a date with someone, but your energy was off, like maybe you'd had a bad day or you just, you know, I don't know, had like a giant pimple in the middle of your forehead and couldn't stop thinking about that the whole time. And then you're not present with the person. It doesn't matter if you're going through the motions and showing up, if you're not open to connecting, none of it matters. So that's just the energetic aspect, like how that comes into play. And then for someone like your friend who has a big vision and she can see it and feel it and it seems so real and aligned with who she is, I think it can be really valuable to scale it back to a time frame that feels realistic. So maybe that's her goal and she's like, I don't know, it might take a few years. Bringing it back to what she can do right now. And like, if she were to think of the next thing that she could spend 15 minutes doing, like a 15 minute task, what's the next immediate small step? She doesn't have to know the full path in between. Each step will reveal itself as she takes the next mini one. She'll get more information, more clarity. And so maybe for her, that would look like, I don't know, researching different spots to go visit on the weekend and just one at a time, or actually before that, I'd probably even suggest her like writing out an ideal kind of vision of what it looks and feels like so that then she can use that as a compass when looking at different plots of land. Or maybe it would be something small, like reaching out to someone she knows who is in the hospitality business and, or someone who can connect her to someone in the hospitality business that she could set up an informational interview with or just pick their brain but it's like what's the next immediate small step right now forget about all the in-between stuff she has the end destination just keep taking those tangible bite-sized steps and Mm -hmm. the information that comes from taking action is invaluable Mm -hmm. yeah I remember talking to you about this maybe a year or two years ago of taking those bite-sized steps like what remember you said to me something like what is something that you know 10 million percent positive that you can accomplish super easily that is realistic and something you have no hesitation about and start there and an NLP we call that chunking so it's like if your canvas is eight by ten and that feels really overwhelming of what you want to do break it down to a four by five and if that still feels overwhelming break it down to a two by two and a half and if that still and just like literally take it down to a chunk size that feels doable yes and do that one at a time and it's like that feels like such a simple concept yet it's so impactful and effective. Yes, and I do think this is the power of working with someone outside of you, whether it's having a mentor or a coach, someone who's not spinning in your own brain, who can clearly see the next steps and help you, you know, guide you to your own intuition and inner knowing and answers about what makes sense. And, you know, most people, I don't know your friend, but most people have a sense of the next small step, but there's some reason going back to what you were saying before, something personally is coming up for them. That's blocking them from doing that thing. It's like, she 
we could 100% figure out in a conversation with her what the next step is. And then part two is like, okay, so here's the next step. Is there anything you see getting in the way of you doing this? Like, what are some reasons why you might not follow through with this? And then just seeing, you know, giving space for the stuff that's in her head that could block her from showing up and falling through, allowing that to come forward. Because most people know what they need to do. They just are either feeling way too overwhelmed or like, who am I to do this? Or it sounds like one of her big things is this feels impossible. That would be worth digging into. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's usually so much juicy stuff there. Yeah. And um, yeah, I loved what you said about coaches being able to see our wheels spinning differently than we do when we're inside our own mind. And I think, I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about being a coach is just getting to hold that mirror because we see so differently the same way that, you know, you would see me and my stuff differently. I would see you and your stuff differently. Um, And having a coach perspective, A, there's guidance there and B, there's no real skin in the game. So you don't have mom sitting there saying, one thing about whatever you're talking about, like I talk about moving to Boston or Nashville next and like, those are the next steps that I'm thinking about. And my mom, I love you mom, <laughs> um, will very clearly be like, I, I don't think you'll like Boston very much. And we go down this path of why, you know, tell me more about that. And it's, well, when I lived there, you know, 40 years ago, I didn't like it. And it's, there's, um, it's love. It comes from love. And the people in our lives have weight in the game, skin in the game. Yes. Because they want what's best for you, but they also have their own filter of what is best for you. A hundred percent. As opposed to like an objective third party that's just seeing you as you and being, being a stand for where you want to go, not where external factors like love parents, but I think we've all experienced the pressure of what do they want for you or significant other or what my friends might expect me to do or maybe they're all doing a certain thing that I should also be doing. And a coach really just helps bring that perspective kind of back to ground zero and helps helps be an advocate for your vision and your belief system. I could not agree more. I feel like the people who love us always want what's best for us from their perspective and one of my favorite things to look for in hiring anyone but especially a coach is like wanting what they have so I love learning from and taking guidance from and you know being strategically supported by people who have created something that resonates with me and I'm like okay they've been there and so it makes it easier to trust them also because they believe so wholeheartedly you know a coach believes so wholeheartedly in you. And I love what you referenced, you know, who you're becoming, like the future version of you and holds you to that and teaches you to make decisions from that place versus where you've been. Because if you keep operating from that, you know, most people when left to their own devices, just keep doing what they've always known. And it's just their brains are wired a certain way and they keep getting the same results. But if you're actively working towards becoming the version of you that already has the life you want, the business you want, it does require you to show up differently and having someone who can believe in that version of you wholeheartedly and guide you there time and time again, eventually that just becomes your new life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. So... To kind of bring us home here, what would be the first three tangible steps that you would say to somebody who is teetering on coming away from their nine to five into their own business or somebody who's who's in their own business right now and looking to up level? What would be three things that you would recommend them to do to get started? So the first thing that I would get really clear on if they haven't done it recently is their vision of where they're going. Because any actions that they're taking, they want to make sure that they line up with that. And what that could look like logistically, you know, if you want to build a business that's sustainable, 
you want to incorporate things that feel good to you, that play to your strengths. And also, I am such a fan of doing less but better. So really honing in on what are the key things I need to show up for. So I think first step would be getting really clear on your vision. Then from that place, like this is the future I'm working towards, stepping into that version of yourself. And from that place, step two would be taking a look at everything you're currently doing and evaluating. Okay, what am I doing that aligns with this and is really working? You can even look at like where previous clients have come from and what you're figure out what your you know key money making tactics are. You can also look at what's not working. What am I willing to give up? That could be not doing laundry during these work hours that I set for myself or saving Netflix for the evenings or, you know, turning my phone on airplane mode while I'm working. You could come up with your game plan of what's kind of required. And that comes back to that feeling of discipline that we were talking about before. And then step three, I would say, is come up with a game plan for how you're going to support yourself when you don't want to follow through with the new strategy you come up with. So just to recap, like be really clear on where you're going, outline, you know, make sure that everything you're doing is coming from your own aligned place, not just what you see going on outside of you. Check in with yourself come up with something that feels sustainable. And then step three, you know, figure out how you're going to work with yourself, whether it's doing like mindset work or calling up a friend or hiring a coach or whatever it is to get you to actually do these things that you know will grow your business. Mm -hmm. That third step is so key. I love that, that you brought that to these top three things to do or first three things to do rather because if there's not a plan this has been my experience at least if there's not a plan you just revert back to like what you were saying what you always do how do I get out of this and when there's a plan I think typically you can recognize is this my ego trying to protect and keep me safe or is this truly in alignment with that greater vision and the future me of where I'm going. Yes. That's actually a great strategy for step number three. If basically these are just things that you have in place to support yourself when your fear creeps in and doesn't want you to do the things you said you're going to do. And a great strategy is just pausing, dropping in and asking yourself, is this coming from the place of fear? Oftentimes, yes. Or is this coming, like, is this coming from, inspiration or a choice that my future self would make? Is this something that will support me becoming my future self? But even just slowing down a second to find out what the feeling is and where that voice in your head is coming from. If it's your inner critic, just being onto it and you can be compassionate with your fear and the part inside of you that's freaking out. And a a visual I love to give my clients is you can tell that part like, Hey, I'm going to let you stay in the car, but I'm just going to move you to the passenger seat. So you don't have to fight with or eliminate all fear, but you're like, I'm just not going to let you drive. One of the uh, favorite things that I took away from that retreat with in 2015 was hearing the phrase that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's experiencing the fear and moving forward anyways. So good. And like just having the fear in the passenger seat, like you can come for the ride, appreciate your positive intention of trying to protect me and keep me safe. And I see you and I hear you and here we go. Thanks for your input. And I think that skill of the self-compassion changes everything because a lot of people get frustrated with their own fear. And then that just magnifies the experience. Like they have this inner turmoil and inner conflict where they're so annoyed that their fear is holding them back. But if you can even just soften, and I love that description of courage, it's like moving forward anyways. And the more self-compassionate you can be and just knowing, A, it's normal. B, it usually means you're right on track. And, you know, most times we feel fear. Our lives aren't actually in danger. So it's like, okay, this is just, oh, look, I'm hardwired for survival. Like my brain is working just as it knows to. And know that nothing has gone wrong and you can handle any, you can handle that feeling and you can still show up anyways. 
this is how I feel before every networking event. I never want to go. Yeah. And then I have a great time. And I'm like the last person to leave because I just want to talk to everyone. Yeah. Well, and I think as we live through that fear, like you said, I don't, I don't anticipate that fear will ever be eliminated from my life. Like, I don't think no matter where I am in my career or in family life or whatever, there will always be fear at some point. And so learning to dance with that fear and, and being willing to move through those experiences and seeing, oh, that wasn't so bad. And just sort of witnessing from third third person observer perspective of I made it through I wasn't in danger I made connections with people oh okay and like taking those snippets and bringing them with you I mean like I said the fear will never go away from my opinion but we do get to adjust our relationship of how we experience that fear based on experiencing it and then seeing oh okay and recreating those those thought patterns that are existing yeah. already. I think building the courage muscle is so key when building any business because it's like that's what's going to carry you through and allow you to even when the fear is present keep growing and always be living at your edge and always be expanding and I love the visual of dancing with your fear that you shared that's really beautiful way of looking at it. Um, and before you're feeling courage, you just need to feel committed. So going back to what we were saying earlier about feeling in your bones, this is what you were born to do. This is what you're here for. Like your friend who wants to open up the lodge, it's okay if she doesn't feel fully confident that she can make it happen right now. She'll know that once she's doing it, once she's in the process of it. But right now, if she's committed to that vision, that's where the magic is. And then getting in the habit, even with those little moments of leaning into that courageous feeling, I love what you said too about having the experiences with fear. Those, as you survive those, that's when you start to be like, okay, the worst thing that happens is my system just is freaking out a little bit. Maybe like my palms are sweaty. Maybe my heart rate's racing. Um, I have butterflies in my stomach. I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fear conversation because I feel like that's where the needle most often gets moved the furthest is when you push through the fear or the limiting belief or whatever it is that's not serving you. It's like that's when you see the magic and that's when your secret sauce pours out is when you move through that stuff. It's so powerful. Every time. That's how I felt after that retreat. I felt like I had no idea what to expect going into it. And I'm actually glad. And I'm so glad I had yeah, I no idea. <laughs> I probably would have been like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Because she definitely had us like be super vulnerable and open up. And I felt such a shift after that. And every single time I've done a different retreat, workshop, certification, like coaching thing, all of it. It's like things just get better on the other side. It's like the more I'm willing to lean into the fear, the more I open myself up to the juicy, yummy aspects of it that feel so fulfilling and really stick out as the highlights of my life. That's an interesting thing. I wonder, that could be a fun little exercise if anyone is listening to map out the times in your life, like the things that stand out that you're most proud of when you reflect back on your life thus far. And I'm willing to bet for each of those things that you felt fear before them. And just collecting mm. evidence of, oh my gosh, 100. I was so nervous to live in New York City on my own that summer. I remember taking the train into the city, feeling like it might eat me alive. I was way too like soft for New York. What would it be like? And then I came out like an emboldened, empowered version of myself at the end of that summer. Man, I was afraid going into it. Like any life experience, just collecting evidence for how you totally handled it and in fact thrived even more on the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming back to that evidence collection and allowing that to be a reminder to your roadmap and to your vision of that future self. Totally. How can people find you? Work with you, find you. Where do they go? Yes. So the easiest place is either on Instagram at Meglad, M-E-G-L-A-D-D. I am starting to post a little bit more. And my website is 
Megan, M-E-G-A-N dash lad, L-A-D-D dot com. Um, and I actually just created a seven day training specifically it's for coaches, but applies to anyone who runs their own service-based business. And it's how to start stepping into that successful energy and build your business without burnout. So especially, you know, if you're looking to build something sustainable that you can do for the long term and enjoy your life, um, I have a little section on my website where people can put in their email and get that seven day email training. Yes. And I have subscribed to that and it's amazing. So everybody who might be interested in, even if it feels like it's five or 10 years away, just have this be your first step. That's a tangible, I know I can put my email in and download it and just explore. This could be your, your investigation portion of your next steps. So definitely recommend it. Um, I will link your webpage and social media platforms here on the podcast so people can find you easily and connect with you. Uh, and I so appreciate you doing this. It was so much fun. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's so good to see you as always. And I just love the work you're doing and spreading this message. And I'm all for more yum all yes. around. Bring Living in the yum. <laughs> yes. <laughs>